0: So this morning, we are continuing our series, In the Beginning, which is a walk through the first 11 chapters of Genesis, and it's a look at the creation of the heavens and the earth. And for the first few weeks, we've walked through the first six days of creation. We've talked about science and religion. We've talked about the hope that we have in this life when we understand and believe that in the beginning, God. We talked about what it means to be made in the image of God. Last week, we talked about the responsibility that we have to steward what God has given us. And today, we're going to wrap up uh, mostly the the first week of creation as we talk about the seventh day of creation. To do that, we're going to read the first few verses of Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2.1, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh from all the work, all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. So as we explore these first few, these few verses this morning, we must start with the question is, what does it mean that God rested? We've heard this verse so much growing up, if we grew up in church, that God rested on the seventh day. It's usually our excuse to take a nap on Sundays. But what does it mean that God rested? Was God tired? I mean, I got to imagine, it's exhausting building the universe. I haven't done it recently, but I'm going to have to imagine it's exhausting. It would require a nap. But No. This is not the answer. God does not get tired. Isaiah 48 says, Have you not known, have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. And we know from chapter 1 of Genesis, when God created, he wasn't like he was grabbing things left and right and building them and carrying boxes of trees and fish into the room and putting them in the earth. Each day of creation, it starts with God said. God spoke. He spoke and it was so. Finally, the Hebrew word for rest, it actually means to cease primarily from an act. Primarily, it means to cease from activity to rest, it means to cease, to stop. So God wasn't tired on the seventh day. He didn't pause to watch football. It was a day that he decided to stop creating. And when he stopped, he said, I'm gonna make this a day special. I'm gonna make it holy, which means I'm going to set it apart from the other six days. Because as we will see, he does this to teach us something, to teach us what it means To rest. Because rest is an important part of our lives. We cannot function properly without rest. For those of you who have multiple children, you haven't functioned in years. You understand what this means. Rest is important. And we live in a very restless society. And this is why the purpose of this seventh day would eventually be called, anybody know? Starts with an S. Sabbath. 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 Whoever said Sunday over here, you got it wrong, but I affirm your personality, whoever it was. It was you. I especially affirm your personality. And I love that you tried. But Sunday comes into the sermon later, so you're all right. The Sabbath, to show us what it means to rest. Anyone feel like they could use more rest in their lives? Amen to that. Now, the next time we see this idea of the Sabbath mentioned, the seventh day, it's in the book of Exodus. You remember the Exodus, Charles and Heston on Easter, on Channel, uh, Como Channel, for years and years, the Ten Commandments, Israelites, uh, uh, who the, the Old Testament primary follows, they're in slavery to Egypt, right? And then there's the burning bush and the ten plagues and crossing the Red Sea, and, 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 and the Israel, you know, God frees the Israelites and then he brings them to Mount Sinai, and he gives them what? He gives them the Ten Commandments, And the fourth commandment focused on the seventh day of creation. Exodus 20 verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you should not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner, the traveler who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and he made it holy. Now the seventh day had several purposes in it. And we don't always think of the purposes of the Sabbath. We just think about taking a day off. First, it was to remind the Israelites that God was the one who saved them from Egypt. Deuteronomy 5, 5, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath, to remind them that it is God who saved them. Second, it was a reminder that everything they had came from God. He was their provision. He was their supplier. Third, it prevented them from overworking his creation. All of God's creation has limits, has limits, including us. So by observing the Sabbath, all of the people and the animals had an opportunity to rest. Fourth, this day of rest would be a foretaste of what the land that God had promised to him. You remember God promised the Israelites a land that was just marked for them. And this was a day where they would look forward to when they would enjoy that land. And finally, it would be a sign to all other nations that the God of the Israelites was different. So for all of these reasons, the Israelites were commanded to honor the seventh day of creation. And God took this command seriously. We don't have time to get in today, but the Israelites were punished by God for not keeping this commandment, for not resting. So one of the big questions that we ask today when it comes to the Sabbath is Are we, as Christians today, if you sit here today, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, not as your, just as your Savior, but as your Lord, and you follow him, are you still commanded to follow the Sabbath? We want to know this, because I don't want to get punished by God by not keeping it like the Israelites did. Well, the Apostle Paul, he speaks to this in his letters to the Colossian Christians, we talked about this in our series on Colossians a few years ago. Colossians 2:16 he says, "Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ." Now Paul made this statement Right after talking about how our faith is built in Christ's work, in his death and resurrection on the cross, that we are alive in him. And he's saying, faith in Christ doesn't come from these Old Testament laws. It comes from our faith and our belief in in him as the son of God and our decision to follow him as the Lord of our lives. And he was making this claim because there was these Jewish people who got into the Christian church who were saying, look, yeah, you can believe in Christ. That's good. But you also have to obey all of these Old Testament commandments if you really want to be saved. And Paul's like saying, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. So keeping the Sabbath is not a part of your salvation. So does this mean that we should forget about this idea of not working one day a week? Well, not exactly. Even though we're not bound to this Sabbath days of rest, like you see in the Old Testament, there's a, a principle that we see practice, and we need to pay attention to this. And sometimes, sometimes we miss the forest and the trees here. Uh, however, the phrase goes is we get so caught up of like, should I do this, or do I have to do this, or do I not have to do this, that we miss the principle, the heart behind God's commandments. So even, even though that we're, we're, we're not bound to the Sabbath, there's a principle there for us. And to do this, to see this principle, I want to see what the new, the new Testament Christians did. So first of all, there's no evidence that I've ever found in the New Testament for the practice of taking Saturdays off from work and because that's what Sabbath was, was Saturday. It wasn't Sunday, it was Saturday. I don't see any evidence for that. But we do see a pattern of the Christians coming together on Sundays. See, you knew where I was going, Don. That's why you said Sunday. You knew where I was ahead of me, which is called the Lord's Day. Why is it called the Lord's Day? Because it is the day that Jesus rose from the grave. There's this great quote by B.B. Warfield. He says that Christ took the Sabbath into the grave with him, and he brought out the Lord's Day. And you see a lot of cool things happen in the New Testament on the Lord's Day. Jesus met with his disciples on the Lord's Day. The Holy Spirit was imparted to his disciples on the Lord's Day. They were commissioned on the Lord's Day. Pentecost took place on the Lord's Day. The book of Revelation was imparted to John on the Lord's Day. We see other instructions of like the the New Testament believers taking offerings and coming together on the Lord's Day. Sunday. Today. Today. So there's this example for us as believers in coming together on Sunday. Okay, all right, so it's Sunday, it's not Saturday. Does this mean we're not supposed to work on Sunday? We're not supposed to work. And I know some of you are probably very interested in this because you're looking forward to going home, kicking your feet up and taking a nap right after service, right? Some weeks you don't even wait till after service to take that nap either, do you? Yeah, Yeah. I see you, I do. But serious, was the Lord's day the new Sabbath? Okay, we should want to know this because we always want to be obedient to the Lord. We want to do what draws us close to the Lord. So even in these little questions that we don't think about, they're important. They are very important. Now, no, Sunday is not the new Sabbath day. Why? Because the Lord's day was never about physical rest. That's all we think about when we think about the Sabbath. We think about physical rest. Rest, kicking our feet up, not working. But the Lord's Day was never about, the Sabbath was never about, even in the Old Testament, it was not about physical rest, ever. You look at the economy of Rome, if you've ever studied Rome, if you ever get into it. The concept of the weekend was not around back then. It had never been imagined. right? So there were no days set apart for leisure without work. And so it appears that these Christians, they did what on the, on the Lord's Day, what they did on every other day, except they, they, they met after work to gather for worship at the end of the day. So it was not about physical rest for the New Testament church. If anything, the Lord's Day was extra work for them because they met after work and they had church duties. They, they fed the poor, uh, they gave to the widows, they ministered to each other. If anything, the Lord's Day was extra work. The Lord's day was not about physical rest. It was about inner rest. The Lord's day is about inner rest. I want that to sink into your hearts, sink into your minds. Like I said, even in the Old Testament, in the Israelites, it was always about inner rest. The physical rest in the Old Testament was just a way to get to the inner rest. Walk walk this with me for a moment. If the Sabbath was there to remind the Israelites that God was the one who saved them, what does that bring up in them? Thanksgiving, thankfulness. If the Sabbath reminded God that that he was the one who provided for them, that he was their provision, what did that bring them? It brought them peace. God is gonna take care of us. If the Sabbath was a foretaste of the land that God promised them in the future, what would that have brought them? It brought them hope, right? Especially as they're wandering through the wilderness. If the Sabbath gave them an opportunity to share about their God with sojourners, with travelers who came through their land, what would have brought them? They would have brought them joy. Like, hey, I get to tell you about God and why he's different. Thanksgiving, peace, hope, joy. Tell me we would not experience rest in our souls if these were the emotions that we experienced. Someone who experiences thanksgiving and peace and hope and joy, they experience a rest that goes far beyond getting to kick your feet up on a Sunday afternoon and get a few hours of shut eye. The Lord's Day, it's about inner rest. Now, the New Testament Christians, they, they may pause on a different day. We don't pause on Saturday, we pause on Sunday. Though some people go to church on Saturday, that's cool. But it's for the same reason. We do this today. We gather today, whether you realize it or not, to experience inner rest. Thing is, the way we do it differently than the Old Testament is that they ended their week with rest. This is important. This is going to be really big later. We start our week with rest. This isn't the end of the week for us today. This is the beginning of the week. The Old Testament, they worked six days and they rested on the last day. In the New Testament, we rest on the first day and then we work the next six. You see, the Jewish Sabbath, it symbolized the creation, the covenant of God's law, that first you work and then you rest. The Lord's Day, it symbolizes the covenant of God's grace, that first you believe in the work of Christ and you find rest in that, and then you go work in the world. We have a desperate need to understand this because we too many of us look at coming to church as the end of the week, but really we need to start our week in his rest. Have you ever thought about coming to church? This is why you come to church. Like, I need to get to church. I need to rest in the Lord before my week begins. This is the purpose for it. This is the purpose for coming to church. We live in a society that is maybe the most workaholic society that anyone has ever produced. We have like the most technology, we have the most ease available to us. We, we're not living, you know, uh, uh, hand to mouth, daily taking care of and producing our own food. We have the most ease and yet we're just the most workaholic. And in a sermon uh, on a different subject, Tim Keller, he gave a, a couple uh, reasons why and I thought they were so illuminating. One, he says, it's technology is the first problem. We have more, our work, our job has more access to us than ever before. Because you have it on your phone, right? It's your laptop. It chases you. It's with you all of the time. There's no escape from it. You ever feel like you can't escape your job? Like it's there, stalking you every time you pick up your phone? Turn on your, you know, your laptop. There it is. Your phone rings. Your work is always with you. But there's also a cultural reason for our workaholic attitude. If you read history, you go back far enough, probably prior to the Industrial Revolution, it's picked up speed from there, is we used to get our value from being a part of a family, a part of a community. Our last name meant more than it does today. Who we were a part of meant more than it does today. You got your idea, your value, your identity from being a son or a daughter, a husband or a wife, a, a neighbor, part of a family, part of a community. But now we've transferred to this culture that is, if you've noticed, it's very individualistic. Our culture has become very much about me. Right? We stripped away these connections as a part of our worth and, and we've, we've just like, we've freed people from these social roles. And now it's, you know, be whoever you want to be. It's you. Whatever you can achieve. And what that means now is that figuring out your value, whether you realize it or not, your identity, it's something you got to earn. It's something you have to achieve. It's, it's something you have to work for. You, you don't feel good because you're a part of somebody's family anymore, you're somebody's son or you're somebody's daughter. That's not how it happens now. You have to get out there. You have to earn it. You have to get markers for yourself that show your worth, either in your job or or for kids, uh, even adults, in your social media, getting those likes. You have to work for it. I remember talking to one teenager, and, and, uh, and he was telling me, man, social media is just a job. It's so hard. I got to post left and right. It's just exhausting. I'm like, well, why do you do it? Well, I want to, you know, be seen out there and get likes and maybe earn myself some stuff. And I want my friends to see me. But you could see it was just exhausting. In every aspect of our lives, we're working to validate ourselves. And this changes our relationship with work. We used to work just to get our family ahead, to provide for ourselves, but now we work to have identity, to feel good about ourselves, to feel like we have value. Work, work, and work. Just to get our worth. How much money you make, the the social class that you're in, your particular accomplishments, Even our families become work. We used to work to provide for our families, but now our families provide achievement and worth and identity for us. I mean, how many moms put up this facade? They work so hard to put up this facade of who they want everybody else to see them to be and to see their children to be. Put on this perfect facade. They work so hard at it so they can feel like they're worth something in the eyes of other people. Or some of us, when we're single, we, we don't feel like we'll be complete until we're married, and so we work to get married. If we have children, then we feel like we have achievement. Or even we work our kids when our kids are excelling in school, or when we're pushing them in sports and they're doing good. It gives us worth and achievement. And so our kids are constantly working more than they should. And then we're constantly comparing ourselves to everyone else around us, judging ourselves if we're better or worse, and if we're worse then thinking about how we have to work harder to get to that standard. Even the health crazes nowadays is not just working out to to, to be a healthy person, it's to look good on Instagram or Facebook, to have people look up to us and our beauty, and so we work trying to prove ourselves to others. And if you're religious, you work to pursue, uh, uh, to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To prove yourself to God. And it's just never enough. And so we have this deep restlessness in us and we're always tired. Someone said that in our lives that we're constantly stuck between the worries of tomorrow and the regrets of yesterday. And we're working to deal with them both. And so we can never enjoy today. We are a nation that is constantly restless. So we get filled with anger. We get filled with fear. We're filled with anxiety. We get hopelessness. And we just keep working and working and working. And working. Even me as a pastor, there's a difference between the times that I'm working out of rest and the times where I'm driven in a restless state because of anxiety that I feel over the church of what we should be doing or how quickly we should be doing it or how much I should be doing. And I and, will and work and I'll work in a restless state. We, it can happen to all of us. Why do we get to this place? Because we have lost our identity in God. Remember in the Garden of Eden, before they sinned, we'll talk about this more in a couple weeks. I mean, let's just, they were walking around naked. They were just walking around in the garden with their birthday suit. They had no issue with this. Just walking around, feeling the breeze, right? They didn't care. Why? We, We would have... Before the thought of this happening to us, but they didn't care. Why? Because they were at rest with who they were. I can't even imagine being that at rest with myself. I bet you can't either. but they were so at rest with themselves that they could, because they were at right in the presence of their Creator. It wasn't until they sinned that they started getting fig leaves and covering themselves up. Why? Because they were no longer at peace with God. This is the core of all the restlessness in our hearts. And that's why God sent Jesus. He says, you will find peace and rest again in my son. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 11, he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly, which means humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, Jesus is speaking to people who are doing all of these religious laws, trying to keep up with these 613 laws, I think it was, to prove themselves to God. And he goes, no, you will never find rest in all this work. You will only find rest in my work. That's the only place you're going to find peace. So when we come together, we're reminded of that rest. We're reminded of what we're saved from, that it was Jesus who saved us from our sins. Not us, it was Jesus. And we rest in that because it takes the burden out of us trying to work for something we can never earn with God. Trying to prove ourselves to God. And then when we fail, because we will all fail with God, we rest in the power of the Holy Spirit who we know is molding us into Christ as we look to him. With Christ who does not leave us nor forsake us. When we doubt, and we all have those moments of doubt, we we rest when we come together because we're reminded that he is our provider and he will give us everything that he needs as we put his kingdom first. And then as we go through the pain and suffering in our lives, the same pain and the suffering that cannot be healed, outside of a miracle, we look to the promise, we find rest in the promised land, which for us is heaven, that the, the, the pain and suffering of this life is so short compared to eternity that we will rest in him, and that brings peace. And then when we come together and we rest in serving each other, and singing praises to God, hearing his music and the preaching of his word, then the fear, it's stripped away. The anxiety is stripped away. The anger is stripped away. The, the helplessness is stripped away. The loneliness is stripped away. The self-doubt is stripped away because we find, pre- we find rest in his presence, looking to him and the great things that he has done. This is why Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man. Because it takes the focus off of ourselves and what we see in the mirror, and it puts our focus on the Lord. I guarantee you, by sheer just human nature, there's a great percentage of us in this room that we have no rest in our lives because our focus is on ourselves, and it's not on the Lord. And so you are restless inside. You may be calm sitting here, but there's a tornado going on inside of you. Have you ever considered that that restlessness is there because you're not fully looking to the Lord, trusting in him? The thing is about rest is you only find rest when, when, you, when you choose to remember. You have to choose to remember God. I mean, think about it. For those of you, let's say you are sitting here and you are restless. It's not that the, the qualities of God have changed for you. You're just not choosing to remember, choosing to look to who God is. We must choose to remember his rest. And listen, remembering takes effort. I remember, uh, oh, McKenna, I didn't ask to share this with you, so you're going to probably, I hope this is okay, but I remember, I remember McKenna. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did this. I'm gonna do this every once in my kids. I remember McKenna one time uh, when she was in school. Um, she got a lunch number back when they were in school, and I remember one night she was writing down her lunch number, and we were asking what she was doing. She goes, "I want to memorize my lunch number, so I can remember it. You know, I don't want to forget it." And I was like, well, "That was a great idea," because when I was a kid, I always forgot my lunch number, and the lunch lady would look at me so annoyingly that she memorized it for me. But it wouldn't happen to McKenna because she put in the effort to remember. And in the same way, in a much bigger way, we have to put in the effort to remember who God is. So in the context of the church, let me ask you this, is the Lord's day a priority for you? Do you choose to remember him on the Lord's day? Because this is in the context of the Sabbath and this idea. Is it a priority? If it's an afterthought, I'm going to tell you one of the main reasons for it being an afterthought, it's pride. Now, you would never think it's pride. You would never say it's pride, but it's pride because you're not worried about forgetting God. When you do not make the Lord's day a priority in your life, you are not worried about forgetting God. You don't think you need the Lord's day. Now, if someone asked you, you'd say, Oh, yes, I need the Lord's Day. But the way you live your life, you don't need the Lord's Day. You don't need church. You live as if you were an exception to the entire New Testament church that always met together. I mean, they had struggles. We read this in Hebrews of people who didn't meet together. But those who were committed to the Lord met together. When the Lord's Day is not a priority, what we're preaching is that we're the exception. And what you're going to do is you're going to either spend the rest of your life not fully resting in the Lord. You're going to come to church once every two weeks, three weeks, six weeks, and and never build up a foundation of looking to him. And you're going to live the rest of your life restless because of your fears and your anxiety and your pride and your sins in your life, or you're just going to eventually drop the Lord altogether. It's just a matter of time. I've watched it time and time and time and time again. And the only way to fix this in our lives, and there's many of us who need to fix it, especially in today's call where church attendance is, is you just simply put, you you make the Lord's day a priority. You say, I make the Lord's day a priority, period. And then that's it. You just make the decision in your mind. It's not the afterthought. It is the starting point. And you say, everything else is going to be ran through the filter of the Lord's day, period. I am going to run this through my life. That's the filter, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. You just make that decision. Now, there's exceptions every once in a while. There's sometimes there's, there's things that you can't move. But the pattern of your life is to celebrate with other uh, believers and to rest in his work together. And to and to be straight up, and it happens here. I love people who are watching at home, but watching at home is not the same as being here. And I understand there's COVID and, and things like that. But people at home, you know the difference in your heart when between not being here for a good reason and then not being here just because it's comfortable to sit on your couch. You don't have to go out in the 15-degree weather. It is to come together and rest among our believers. Because one of the things that we do is when we come together, we serve each other. Have you ever saw that in in the New Testament? The Lord's day was not restful. I said this earlier. They were serving each other. They were working harder than the rest of the days. But it was still restful because the joy that comes from serving other people, that brings you a greater rest than taking a nap ever will the joy of seeing God use you to pray over somebody, to speak into somebody's life, to teach the kids a lesson, to serve somebody coffee, to say all the things that we do, there's greater rest that comes from that. If the Lord's day was all about rest, then every Sunday I am the greatest sinner of everybody when I get here at 5 a.m. I am sinning against the Lord because I don't rest on Sundays. But I tell you, when I preach the word and I see someone's live touch, I get a greater rest in that morning than anything could ever happen. And so we make it a priority in our lives because we know that we need to rest in the Lord. We say to ourselves, I need to rest with other believers. I need it, I can't miss it, I won't miss it because I know what I will become without it. Some of you have already forgotten about the work of God in your life because you've missed resting in his his peace and his work for so long that my words may not even be penetrating your heart. If they're not penetrating your heart and you're waiting for this to get over or you're spacing out every other minute, is it possible not because I'm boring or this doesn't mean anything, is it possibly because you don't rest in the Lord? You don't look to his work because you're trusting in yourself and that's why it's falling flat. Some of us, man, but like the weekend's my day. I get this sometimes, the weekend's my time. No, it's not. Everything belongs to the Lord, even your time. And I know some of us, we will miss a church for a football. We will never miss a football game. We'll miss church, but we will never miss a football game. And football games are fun. Or other recreational activities that we do, they're fun on the weekend. But here's what happens. When you you take that brief rest and you go do that fun thing, what happens when you come back? Your addictions are still there. Your struggles are still there. Your, Your broken marriage is still there. Your, your, your struggle, the anger is still there, your, your fear, your inadequacy, it's all waiting for you when you come back. The, the, the rest of this world, the, the rest that the, the world would have you go to, the temporary, it doesn't change those things. It's an escape, but it doesn't heal them. The only thing that can heal is the work of Christ. When you rest in his work, We read in Hebrews: So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever who has ever, for whoever has entered God's rest, also rested from his works as God did from his. A Sabbath rest for the people of God. There is a peace for the people of God in the work of Christ. And even after church, the Lord's Day, it's not a great day for a nap. It's a great day to serve people in the church and afterwards. It's a great day to invite a hurting person into your home. It's a great day to visit somebody in the hospital. It's a great day to to feed someone who's hungry. It's a great day to just spend time with people who are lonely. It's a great day to pass on the love that God has given you and pour it into others. Again, I say that will bring you greater rest than laying on the couch and taking a nap. I think it's good to break from things like your job and stuff like that. I saying it's good to break away from the things that cause a distraction to your resting in the Lord, to you starting your week in the Lord. But only you can know what that is. Church, we need to start our week in his rest. Every week. It's the fuel and the focus that we need for the coming week. We need to start it. We should never call the Sunday the weekend. Christians should never refer to Sunday as the weekend. Even though we live in that culture, Sunday is actually the beginning of our week. It's the first day of the week. And we need to be in the house of God we need to start our week that way. Say, Lord, I got so much happening this week. I got so much sin, so much struggle. I have such a great purpose in my life. I must be in your presence. I must rest in who you are. Because it's very true, Father. It's very true in our days and in our weeks that how we finish has to do with a lot with how we start. Let us be a church that starts our weeks, resting in who God is. That we may find peace and thankfulness and joy as we go out the other six days to share his rest with a restless world. Amen, church?